Hey guys, this is Medikish. My name is Ramya. I'm and here with Magda. Two of us are fourth year medical students in the Medical University of Dansk, Poland. In Poland, yeah. It's an odd place to start a podcast <laughs> from, but it's a wonderful place. Mm. And it's a perfect time to start a podcast because we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> For this episode, we will be talking about two Roberts and two Williams. Two Roberts and two Williams, yes. That's the unofficial title of this podcast. What's it about, Magda? What is it about? Um, I would say karma. Karma. Yeah, there is a somewhat of a theme of karma running through it. Um, as well as, a, like, we'll do a little intro to kind of some medicine... Well, intro to medicine. Basic ideas, some basic ideas in medicine, like the Hippocratic Oath that everyone's heard of, I'm sure. We should start with that. Start with the Hippocratic Oath. Um, So today we're kind of like the focus is a lot on surgery, kind of surgery, dissections, whatever. And yeah, anatomy, some anatomy stuff. And uh, the Hippocratic Oath actually does have uh, something to say about that. So originally, like everyone knows the Hippocratic Oath, it's, you know, do no harm all that other stuff um it just in general kind of dictates how a a doctor should perform um you know don't spill secrets don't tell uh, personal information about patients there's one really important thing um to our discussion today is that it also says uh that doctors are not allowed to perform surgery so doctors are not, not allowed to use the knife on anyone um, so originally, uh, what this meant was that surgeons were actually, uh, separate from doctors. They were not... I would say they still kind of are. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, when, you know, when people say a surgeon is kind of held separately to doctors, although these days they do obviously have to study medicine. Interact and you have to consult with each other. Yeah. So who do the task fall to? surgery so back in the day back in the day before doctors before surgery was considered part of medicine it was left to the barbers as in for those who may not know which i assume everyone knows the people who cut hair and shaved beards and the main reason for that was because they had the tools (laughs) and they had the steady hand so basically they were just like You've got a razor, you can cut people, but your hands are steady as well. So, yeah, you can totally cut legs off. You can, you know, bleed people and, like, place leeches and stuff like that. Um, Didn't you tell me that they didn't really require any sort of anatomy background? They didn't need any official training. Like, they didn't have any official anatomy training. Like, later on in time, they did kind of have, uh, when barber surgeons were kind of more of a specific profession as opposed to like there were barbers but there were barber surgeons as well um they would kind of give them unofficial training like there was obviously physicians were trained in medical schools and in anatomy and then those physicians would train the barber surgeons so that you know they would know where to cut and stuff like that um are we still calling them barber surgeons at this point so they were they were still called barber surgeons for a while. Um, so there actually used to be, uh, like, say in England, there actually used to be uh, 
company of barber surgeons so like you know like a union in Uh a way like I mean they just like a group of people who were called barber surgeons and they were the ones who were the professions of uh, the professionals of cutting off legs and such so they were called even when they were somewhat being trained in anatomy they were still classed barber surgeons Um, but sometime I think late 1700s early 1800s and stuff like that they actually separated the surgeons from the barbers. And the thing I found interesting is that like, yeah, they now have, they now have medical training. Uh, but this, there's this little point made where the barbers, the surgeons no longer cut hair. It's just <laughs> no longer in their profession. Yeah. Uh, I guess you lose that skill. Yeah. You, you can only do yeah. one. Yeah. So like, you, you upgrade to a surgeon, but you downgrade from a barber. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, barber surgeons used to be doing everything. They used to, anything that required a knife, they were kind of like the practical stuff, whereas physicians were kind of more academic. Mm. Isn't that why they had that, um, like a bull? Yeah. So if you've ever seen outside of a barber, they have the poles with the stripes. Sometimes it's red, white and blue. Um, a lot of the time it'll be red and white. That's um, American patriotic. Yeah. I, I don't I like I don't know what the blue symbolizes, but it's said. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's just I like the red is blood. The red symbolizes the blood white and then the white symbolizes the bandages blood. because yeah. they used to bandage bleeding people. <laughs> Well, they used to cause blood and use bandages. Yeah. But and yeah, the blue, the blue I'm not the... sure. I think that's an addition because I, I... I don't know. They could be talking about either blood clotting or. I don't like, I think that might be a, like, I don't know if that's a. Or maybe um, like. An official thing. Like, anywhere I said it mentions the red and the white, but it doesn't really speak of blue if there is sometimes blue. Um, that could just be an aesthetic addition. You know, it looks cool with the red, yeah. with the then red, white, and blue. For green. It would stand for gangrene. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens afterwards. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so they did all all the bloody stuff. They even like pulled teeth. If you if you were having a t- like a tooth pulled, it was a barber surgeon that did it. So then a barber dentist. I guess. A barber dental surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Do you do you lose the skill of cutting hair if you do just tooth excisions? Hmm. Good question. Good question. I'd say yes. I don't think I've ever gone to a dentist for a haircut. <laughs> I don't know about you. Probably sounds like a bad. bad um, idea. Yeah. So that's that's how it was back in like how early surgeons were. Early surgery was all the the barber surgeons. The barbers cut your hair and cut off your leg. So, basically, what was it? What was important was having the tools, mm-hmm. having a steady hand. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, at least, it that seems was like it. it's important. Yeah, <laughs> that was the two things that barbers were chosen for. Yeah, but to be surgeons. Uh, okay, but practically speaking, um, we'd say anatomy mm-hmm. is pretty important. I mean, at the time, I don't think it was that important as important because it was basically just someone cutting off a limb someone cutting off an arm it's you know you don't need deep anatomy knowledge Mm -hmm. to be able to you just need to be able to cut through the muscle cut through the bone and like that doesn't really require deep anatomical yeah okay i get that yeah but all right and i'm assuming you would need to do it fast Mm. 
right? Back in the day. Back in the day. Because that's all that... I mean, They still... didn't have anesthesia. They didn't have blood grouping. They couldn't give people donations of blood or anything like that back then. Yeah, but even today, um, if I remember correctly... If I... you remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this in cardiac surgery? Um, the blood typing? No, the fact that time is still sort of a factor in surgeries. Like, you have to do it as quickly as you can. Of course, not um, mm. sacrificing or compromising on your precision. Well, yeah, there was, like, we talked about it in... When we were talking about at least... Um, was it... I don't remember if it was the heart-lung machine or if it was the ECMO, ECMO. and bypass machine. You yeah. can only use them for a certain amount of time. So you can... You, have, you still have to do the surgery within a certain amount of time. Certainly not as fast as they used to do them. Yeah, back then they really uh, they didn't crazy. care about quality. Yeah, it's all <laughs> they about just speed. The speed, and it was sort of like a flex too at that point, I think. Mm. Uh, especially with it was a competition. Guy, um, especially with this guy Robert Liston. Robert who was Liston, the first of our Roberts. The first today. Robert. Yeah. He was uh, famous for a lot of things. Uh, definitely, he was looked at with um, in high esteem. Can, can I say that? Is that English? Yeah, in high esteem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. For one, he would always do a surgery in front of a crowd. Well, most of it was surgeries. a spectacle. Yeah, it yeah. was a spectacle, and for him, it was a show. And he would like pretty proudly announce at the beginning of the surgery that um, uh, he he wanted to be timed. Basically, he would say, "Time me, gentlemen, time me." Mm. and uh, people would actually do that <laughs> they would... people really needed entertainment back then they did they did and you know for those who watch um, public executions like they, they used to watch public executions back then so this is just like um this is like a downgrade um it's... i don't know it maybe depends it's like, like a, maybe it's... it's like an entry uh, it's got level. more of a happy ending i guess yeah. do you want a tragedy or do you want like a some drama with yeah. a happy ending? Or if you want to introduce your kids to public executions, you want to start. With... <laughs> you start slow. You start with the surgery, then yeah. you get to the death. And if you want to start, you want to start with the fastest surgeries, which is like Robert Liston says, done like twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah. But he did say he could amputate a whole leg um, in twenty-eight seconds. Apparently, like okay, so anything that we say from this point on, uh, at least about Robert Liston, for the and for the most part, is mm. based on records that we have that may or may not be accurate yeah so it was written, written by a guy who was uh kind of a fan of the guy i guess you could say like, yeah, yeah i think he was a doctor as well mm -hmm. but um yeah he sort of wrote like a biography of him right like he, yeah he, he wrote all the stories yeah so most of this is coming from him and everything else too is coming from records and from old books mm. so Take it with a grain of salt, I guess. A pinch of salt? Mm. <laughs> a handful of salt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, it's said that he could uh, amputate a whole leg in 28 seconds. That That's the mm. fastest. He's... Um... Skills. Yeah. But also, uh, most of his uh, leg amputations were done in like two and a half minutes. Nice and fast. Because obviously back yeah. then... Speed was key because you didn't have anesthesia. Didn't have anesthesia. You didn't have. You couldn't, um, you know, give blood if they were running low. So you had to make sure they didn't bleed too much. But there was a lot of stuff they still did wrong back then. Yeah, anatomy wasn't super well known. <laughs> yeah, 
they were still looking into that because they had a lack of bodies mm. we'll get to that we will we will discuss this yeah so robert liston oh, good just, guy or bad guy good guy or bad guy that's a good question a lot of people thought he was a great surgeon mm-hmm. and for the time i think a, he was yeah and he's done a lot of um surgeries in two and a half minutes right like i said like i attended the um a foot amputation Mm. Uh, of this patient with diabetic foot diabetic foot yeah and which is basically just gangrene of the foot due to ischemia that is lack of blood supply to the foot right yeah yeah so that one that i attended that would have been like 20 minutes at least you know well, I'm it, assuming, it was like, short but did that include like prep and stuff like getting them yeah. the person under anesthesia and yeah and... including anesthesia i mean it was proper fall that took like a minute mm. um but um it was uh, really short. I felt like it was short, but it was still not that short. <laughs> yeah, not not twenty eight yeah. seconds. That's for yeah. sure. And I told you right, like they got, they chopped off the toes and then they were sort of squeezing the foot to remove the pus through the. Yeah, that's true. They yeah, had that extra holes. icky stuff. There was a lot of icky stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm not but doing that. that. That's what took most of the time. Yeah. Like, the chopping off was not not so much. It was mm-hmm. the squeezing the pus out that took more time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they didn't do that back then. You know, because. Really, I don't think they knew what plus was. Yeah, they did. Well, they not. didn't think it was a bad thing. They didn't think it was a bad thing. They didn't think that um, it was important to remove all of it or anything. So maybe that's why. Mm. But I don't know. It's pretty short. It's it's literally. I think they're just counting the amount of time it takes to chop the. Mm. The thing is, like with his short limbo. Um, his short surgeries, he had a much lower death rate for amputations than most others. Yeah, what was so it? Uh, at the time, in, it was one in four. Yeah, and he but, got one in ten. Yeah, right? so, like, he had a much better death rate. I mean, it's still horrible if you can, like, if you thought about, about today. today yeah. One in ten people on your table die is, you'd be fired. Scary. yeah. But, like, for back then, when the norm is one in four, like, that was pretty good. Yeah, I would say so, too. And he he did contribute to science. He created some things. He the this sort of uh, plaster. He created some Isenglass plaster. Mm-hmm. They still use that today, apparently. Yeah. And yeah, and also this um, forceps. It's called a bulldog's forceps. It's a locking artery forceps. Oh, okay, so like a clamp kind of thing. I haven't I haven't even seen it to be honest. Okay. You yeah. just know he did it. I just know he did it. And I don't know how useful that is. I, I don't know. And I love this one. Created the Liston splint. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I should give him more credit for it, but it just... It seems to me that it was just a wooden plank that ran from, like, your uh, femur, from your, sorry, your hip joint mm. to the... To the ankle? Heel, yeah, to the ankle. And that's it. It's a wooden plank, <laughs> and you just strap I the mean, leg to it and that's the Liston splint it's it's better than what we used in scouts where we just found a long stick as a splint <laughs> it's a plank it's a plank that's definitely an upgrade from a stick yeah it's probably more sturdy too yeah probably <laughs> mind you when when i learned it was in the middle of the bush so yeah not you know in a medical hospital or you wherever you find a couple more sticks to just wrap together and make sort yeah. of like a temporary sort of exactly planks were a bit scarce in the middle of the bush oh Oh, who would have thought? Hmm. You're just like, you find, you're walking around, you just find this nice stack of planks. You're like, perfect, someone's got a broken <laughs> leg. This will work great. Just what I was looking for. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Liston splint, named after 
him. Yeah, Robert Liston. Mm. That's Liston as an L-I-S-D-O-N. I don't Is there know another way to spell Liston? I don't know why I felt the need to clarify that, but it just feels like it's Liz- too close to Liston. It's like orphan and often. Yeah, that's true. And some people say Liston with a T. Listen, Liston. Listen. Do they? No, I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it depends on the accent. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't heard it. Maybe you have somewhere. Listen. I mean, listen. yeah. Like even, even then it is pretty similar to listen. See? Yeah. See? That was difficult. Depends how hard you hit the T. Yeah. If you hit it like an intermediate level, mm. mm-hmm. you could mistake it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the ish part. Yeah. Again, of medic-ish. medic-ish. Um... So, Anything else that you do? Yeah, tons. So there, no. Oh, you mean like good stuff? No, I'm done. Yeah, and invent stuff. other stuff. Yeah, now it's just the bad <laughs> stuff. So this is the where he becomes a bad guy. Well, I would say a bad guy, just controversial guy. Maybe yes. like you know where he shouldn't be held up on too much of a pedestal. I would say controversial and fit for like a stand-up special. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So mm. I just wanted to walk through like four cases. Yeah, like four cases. Four of his surgeries. So let's just say, what was the word we used before? We we described him as um, not excited. Like he he'd get, I guess he'd get excited before his enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. That was the word. He was very yeah. enthusiastic, and oh, that I guess that's what led to some of these stories. Yep. Famous stories. See. Um. I don't know. Do you want to start from the fourth most famous? Yeah, start from the bottom and end at the top. Okay. So the fourth most famous um, has nothing to do with him, honestly. It's more to do with a patient who showed up with a 45-pound scrotal tumor. Ouch. Do you know how to convert that to kg? 45 pounds? Isn't it about, like, I know that one pound, no, one kilogram is like one point something pounds? I usually like roughly do it as two pounds equals one kilo- one kg. Yeah, so twenty kg. Twenty kilogram, Jesus. That's like a third of my weight. No, I shouldn't say that. I don't want people <laughs> to know my weight. <laughs> well you're tall. Yeah, that's true. I have got the height. You got nothing to be ashamed of. And the lack of exercise because of the virus. I really need lack to start lack of exercise, girl, you got need guns. to run more, man. I need to find somewhere to run. <laughs> Anyways, so, this patient I digress. With a 20 kg scrotal tumor. That's a that's ball the balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both we both felt the need to uh, clarify. Clarify. I don't know. Do people know what a scrotum is? Testicles. Yeah. yeah we want to go. It's the bag. It's the yeah. It's a sack around the balls. Yeah. It's what the bag it? that holds the balls. Yes. Oh, I hate having to do talk that. about balls. Yeah. Oh. Scrotal sac, so the sac around the testicles. Let's move on. You should not be scared of the proper medical terminology. Okay, so 20 kg scrotal tumor, and this guy used to carry it around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture that, and it's just weird as hell. I don't know. What, what I'm thinking about is. He probably had to carry it naked, right? Because what 
Band fits a forty-five. You got spe- well back Do then. Mind. Back in the day, people always got specially tailored clothes. You know, this is pre-industrial age, I guess, or maybe even started the industrial age. You're saying he got a tailored band. Yeah, tailored pants just for his balls. His giant, giant. Yes. Okay. Well, because back then everything used to be tailored. Either that, or he cut a hole in normal pants and just had them hanging out. <laughs> Just had to like fit it or like put, get them through the hole every time. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if it matters. Does it? Yeah, I don't think it does. But the fact is, like, how long would he have left it for it to be like 20 something kilograms? Like, why would you wait that long? Clearly, yeah. there's something going wrong down there, and you wait till it's, you're carrying it around in a wheelbarrow before Maybe you get anything done. It was a matter done? of pride for him. <laughs> he <laughs> like, look at how big my look at how big are. Him. Or maybe like fear of surgery from back then, I guess. Which I guess he kind of had a right for to fear the surgery. No. No, didn't something bad happen? But you know what? No, nothing bad happened. Not in this surgery. No. But um, I just wanted to mention, like, we've talked about this before, and it took him, like, an average of 2.5 minutes to yeah. amputate a leg. And at some point, he could do it in 28 seconds. Yeah. Do you know how long it took him to, uh, to uh, amputate his um, this 20 kg scleral tumor? Uh, longer? I don't know. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four, he could four do a leg in, two and a, in 28 seconds. In 28 it took seconds. him four minutes to do balls. Well, you know, they were 20 kgs. Yeah, that's true. I'm, and how this is heavy the fastest is a leg. surgeon in the world. Yeah, how okay. heavy is a leg? I don't know. I know, right? You think it's like, what, an eighth of your full weight, maybe? An eighth? Well, like, you know how when they measure the body, like... Well, it depends. Where are you getting the leg They say like... arm is one, one, two... Like you're talking about the bone. Well, like it's in a similar way, but like you know, it'd still you're be proportion-wise. Yeah, but um, when you're talking about the proportion of the body, we'll keep this question in mind, and if we find an answer next podcast, we'll have to find out. Yes. Stay tuned to find out how much your leg weighs, <laughs> and how we will ex- how we figured it out <laughs> experimentally. <Yep. laughs> Wait, didn't we used to have? Like in anatomy first year, we had whole legs yeah, just sitting on tables. We could have it, but then again, you would have it, taken into account the water weight and the... not to. Yeah, they took off all the fat in the skin, yeah. which is a decent amount of the weight yeah. of the leg. It was exactly. just like the muscles left over. Yep. But if you ever did um, fuck, uh, the dissection course in first year, mm-hmm. you know where you actually were preparing the bodies for for anatomy classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think you had separate legs. They gave you whole bodies. Mm. Wait, did they? I don't remember if they had legs separately. I know this I've is a weird thing to India. talk about. I'm just talking about like body parts that I used to work on well, we <laughs> in, in class. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, this is just like stories of other people doing it. Not, you know, I personally sat at a table and was cutting the skin and fat off of a dead body. I have done that, but I did it in India. Yeah? Yeah. I did it in first year. Did you? you didn't do the dissections elective? No, because I'd already done it. Mm. You know, before because you've already done it in, in, yeah, in India. Yeah, so I thought, why waste my time doing it again? I hadn't, so I decided to do it, and it was mostly like just cutting skin and fat off. And fat is gross, like you think. Gross, yeah. It was if like you had a, to pick, 
during the sections with um, dead bodies or cadavers, let's call them. Mm. Cadavers, yeah. Cadavers. Oh, you can say how you. I just say cadavers. All right, so let's see. Australian accent. That is the creepiest part. See, I think for me the issue with it was that it reminded me of food. Like it looked a bit like scrambled eggs Uh or cheese. And so, like, I kept on making that comparison, and that's why it was grossing me out. Oh my god! Because, like, it made me think of food, and then it put you me off of food. Yeah, right. I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. But now that image is in my head. Right. What do you think the grossest part was? If I had to pick. Yeah. It's always gonna be the eye. The eye. Always. Hmm. It's not. It's not that it's gross. It's just scary. It's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy as it's hell. It's creepy. Yeah, you, you do. It's, there's so much. No, do you know what's creepier than an eye itself? It's an empty eye socket. <gasps> right? I like, know, just though. seeing the eyelid open and there's nothing there. No, actually, I think I would still pick the eye. Yeah? Yeah. No, I'd go empty eye socket because seeing, yeah, like, if, especially to... if you have a whole face and yeah. you just, you see the empty sockets. Ugh. But you know, the eye has got the optic nerve behind it and it's sort yeah. of like a squiggle when it forms That's itself again. Um, Are we allowed to talk about this without offending people? I don't know. Do, will we still have viewers after we gross them out like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if anyone's seen um, Angels and Demons, okay. there's a bit in that where one of the characters uh, is murdered and then the eye is pulled out because they need the eye to access this... Like, it's a biometric lock on uh-huh. the door but and they, they so they cut out shows and yeah too. so like people i'm sure people have seen a f- yeah. fake you know eye before in tv or movies yeah. and that is basically what it looks like well even so i guess um this is not for the faint-hearted yeah i mean this is medical you can't stuff handle it. yeah walk away it's always going to go back to what we've done in 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 medical school, which is going to be a lot of anatomy yeah, and gross stuff. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of um, body parts, blood, pus, vomit. I'm trying to think like urine. what part of anatomy was my least favorite to learn about. Like which grossed me out. Like I know at the very start, um, the You've second. You've got to see the colon, right? I like see the thing is I don't know if that necessarily grossed me out. Like the smell, w- like wasn't great, but the colon itself like it wasn't i missed that class the one you had in pathology and not anatomy but you had um the mm. where... oh the autopsy yeah the autopsy that was gross I missed holy that crap that was gross um that was like anatomy but a bajillion times worse because holy crap there was a lot of liquid in this woman like there was, they were sitting there with like a freaking ladle. Why do you gender the body? Why would you do that? Okay, there was a now, lot of liquid in this person. Now there's like a visualization in my head. There was a lot of liquid in this person. And so it was really gross because they were literally just ladling it out and pouring it onto the table where it went down a drain. But they were just ladling it out. All this gross ass liquid that was like brown colored, well, which I assume... It? What liquid? Uh, like it was probably like a mixture of um, like necrotic liquid, like some blood probably, and I don't know what other liquids could be in a person. But she, like she, she died of like she died of infection, I think. Uh-huh. She had pneumonia, but it was after she'd had uh, some sort of surgery in the chest. And the thing that was a 
creepiest thing. She basically had a giant hole in the middle of her chest where the sternum was. The sternum was completely removed because that's how they got to, I think it was the heart. It was uh-huh. that they were operating on the heart. The thing is that they'd removed the sternum to do the heart surgery and all they'd replaced it with and the flesh that was there, you know, that would have been there in a normal person was just replaced with, you know, um, like the sponges and it was sealed over with plastic and then they removed that to do the autopsy and there was just this giant hole in the middle of her chest where normally there'd be not a hole but she ended up dying of pneumonia um i believe they said it was caused by the surgery but she was really old and really sick so it wasn't like a we screwed up kind of thing it was just like she was just too sick yeah um but yeah there was just like a ton of liquid that they were just scooping out and just pouring over, and it was gross. It was not fun. Okay, well, uh, I I just don't want to talk about this anymore. So yeah. don't listen, because we've tangent it off. So it was the guy with the balls, which just the interesting fact was just that he had a ginormous ball, and it took four minutes four minutes to do it. Yeah, that that was it. That was it. That was the story. But the third most famous case um, is actually something that I feel is the worst one, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there was this kid, and I think I've told you yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I remember. Yeah, it was a small boy, and um, he comes to the doctors, Robert Liston and uh, another surgeon, and he has a sort of like a red pulsating tumor on... Uh, a nice lump on his neck. On his neck, where you would expect your carotid artery to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, You'd expect. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's huge. And uh, now Robert Liston is having an argument with his surgeon. Mm-hmm. And um, the house surgeon says it's an aneurysm, right? Um, which concerning the location. Do people know what an aneurysm is? I think it's better that we clarify them. Um, yeah, so an aneurysm is basically like a ballooning of an artery. Essentially, like part of the artery wall stretches out and you just have a... Uh, a small pouch like a, yeah a little pouch like, like a balloon. yeah like a balloon coming off the artery where you know blood will sit and depending on where it is like most common i think people know about aneurysm of the brain which can then burst and you bleed into your brain and you can very very easily die um yeah so yeah that's an aneurysm i think that's the best way to describe it Yes, and it's scary for many, many reasons that we could delve in, but not today. Yeah, not today. It's a whole topic in and of itself. Yep. But, I don't know, so he sees a red pulsating lump on top of the carotid artery, and um, Rob Liston, in his confidence Mm -hmm. and his uh, (laughs) everlasting enthusiasm, goes and says that, "Uh Uh-huh, that is just a skin abscess. And without even waiting, like he pulls out his knife and he sort of slashes through the skin abscess. I don't even think he did it carefully because the blood just sort of sprayed out and the kid died right there. Jeez. Yeah, as it turns out, it was an aneurysm. It just cuts straight into the the artery that like has some of the highest flow in the body, essentially. You know, it's right off... I mean, I don't know which side. Flying the brain. I mean, it's basically right off the aorta or maybe even like one branch further, but still it's a very high flow artery, very close to the heart, which means, you know, you cut that and you're bleeding almost straight from the heart. I think here we're talking about the internal carotid, right? Or yeah. external. Or ex- I don't know, which one are we talking about? 
anything regarding body and joint character. Or is it like before it... Because you just got the carotid and then it separates into two. Uh-huh. Maybe we're talking about the carotid. So if it's just like the carotid, that's basically like depending on which yeah. side it is, that could either be straight oh. off the aorta or like, you know, first you have the trunk and then you have the carotid in the... I don't really know. And this is an old account. So it was just, there was a lump on the neck. Yeah. But like, I mean, essentially my point is that basically it's one one of the arteries that's very close to the heart. Like it's really, you don't have to go far close from the, the heart, heart to the... Close to the brain. Yeah. So you, it's a high flow artery. So you cut that and yeah. it's almost instant. Like you bleed out within moments. Yeah. I was a kid. How old was a kid? Quite young. I don't actually know, but it yeah, does kid. say he was a small boy. And, and the reason that he thought it was just a skin abscess was because he was like, whoever thought of a... A child with, yeah. with uh, an aneurysm. Exactly. Because apparently back then they hadn't heard of congenital... Diseases uh, that lead to aneurysms, yes. Or like, you know, congenital malformations of the arteries that could lead to... Yeah, or like uh, fibrous... Um, what's it called? The diseases with the connected tissue. Connected tissue diseases. <laughs> <laughs> tissues with, connect- the yeah, with connected tissue. Yeah, my brain working. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Yes, I mean, I suppose like th- this is kind of just like one of the stories being like, yeah, this just tells you how little knowledge they had even back then like how how lacking their medical knowledge was even like a couple hundred years ago where you yeah. don't think it was too far away you think they'd have a decent amount but even back then i think first of all they had much less regulations mm. as in nobody was really watching over them as much as they do today yeah you didn't have like international yeah. bodies and secondly i feel like a lot of do- uh, doctors worked a lot more on guesswork than they do today yeah well because back then they didn't have like x-ray imaging or any of that kind of stuff did they even have ultrasound back then i doubt it i don't think so so they wouldn't have had like because these days you'd see that and you'd get an ultrasound in moments you'd be able to see if it's an if it's you know blood flow or an abscess but like you know back then they didn't have that so it was essentially being like oh i think that's what it is but still you'd think a lump over the carotid you'd at least be careful yeah you'd be like this is really close to a very very important artery yeah maybe don't just cut straight into it yep but uh yeah that is probably the saddest. And that's also where the karma comes from, doesn't it? Like we were telling that, me. That is. Uh, as it turns out, Robert Liston died of an aneurysm. That right there is karma. Karma working her magic. Sweet, sweet karma. Karma is a woman, just so you know. <laughs> just, just to be... I believe so. Who else is that spiteful? <laughs> well... Yeah. Yeah. So that was the third most like how like to think how bad that is and there's worse stories than that yeah apparently yeah there are or like at least more famous stories i guess so uh the next the second most famous case mm-hmm. is about um it it involves balls again <laughs> but regularly sized balls yep There's not a, not 20 kilogram balls no, in a wheelbarrow not just a few grams like how much grams? I don't know how much oh. balls weigh. Jesus. <laughs> Just off the top of my head, yeah, this is one of the things I've memorized, the, the weight of a normal testicle. But we are checking the weight of a leg. We That's true. Well. We should look up the weight of a testicle while we're looking up the weight of a leg. We might as well. Yeah. It's so close to it. 
and apparently that's that's what happened to Dr. Listen too because he was actually performing an amputation of the leg mm-hmm. and he did it in two and a half minutes but in his enthusiasm in his enthusiasm <laughs> he also cut off the testicles because <laughs> he's just so close to it <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make yep he just didn't time it right or he didn't wasn't paying quite uh, enough attention the blade right or yep. something I don't know I don't know how someone just it. needed to move them over a little bit, get them out of the way of the yes. blade. But someone didn't, someone so he cut them off. Them. Yeah, but then if someone had held them, he would have cut them. He cut the fingers off. Which leads us to the last story. <laughs> it does bring us to the most famous case, which Robert Liston is known for, mm-hmm. and um, he's known for this because it has a three hundred percent mortality rate. And I know that we've said that his mortality rate in surgeries was lower. This um, is three hundred percent in one, one operation. Patient. Yeah. This was 300%. The only known operation to have a 300% mortality rate. And it's ridiculous, actually. Like, it's mm. just... Because <laughs> they're not just counting the patient, they're also counting the people who right. attended the surgery. Yeah. So, like we said, he used to perform his surgeries in front of the crowd. Yeah. And they would pull out their pocket watches... And uh, they would sort of time him and... and at his request, at by his the way. Request, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was this sort of um, surgery that he was doing. It was um, an uh, amputation. Of a leg. Of a leg. Left or right, doesn't matter. And he started again with his uh, timing gentleman. And people started timing him. And he took out his wonderful long, uh, shall we call it a... Um, Butcher's knife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Harsh words. <laughs> I mean, in this case. Yeah. Alright then. So, um. His butcher's knife, and he sort of fell uh, with a great, um. Flourish? Flourish, with some beautiful flourish. He chops off the leg. But in his enthusiasm, <laughs> he also chops off, um. What? Not the balls this time, though. Is that <laughs> his assistant's fingers? Assistant's fingers. Oh, which are probably holding the balls aside. <laughs> you never. Maybe, know. maybe they learned from last time. Yeah. Um, and uh, but, so he cut off the leg. He cut off his assistant's fingers, and as he sort of flourished it, and you know, sort of pulled the knife behind, he also cut off the coattails of um, a onlooker sort yeah. of like um, somebody yeah an onlooker mm. and I think he was also a surgeon or yeah I think, I think he was a yeah surgeon. I think he was also a surgeon yeah and he was watching the surgery and he, he it was just the coattails it was literally just his coat it wasn't his body part but but he thought but he thought that it had slashed through like his I don't know organs maybe yes I, apparently vital organs and he <laughs> sort of painted and uh, I don't know apparently he died of shock Died of shock. And so that along with... Of fright. Yeah. And so it was that along with the assistant and the patient who died of... Is it gangrene or infection Mm -hmm. or something like that? Yeah? Gangrene. Gangrene. So the patient died of gangrene. The assistant also died of gangrene. And then an onlooker died of fright. You know, I'm I'm actually really um, surprised that Robert Liston didn't die of gangrene. Because yeah. did I tell you that he used to you uh, put his butcher's knife, yeah, sorry, yeah. his uh, weapon of choice yep. uh, into his mouth after the surgeries with like the blood on it and everything. And I'm just like, how he didn't die of sepsis yeah. or some communicable disease or some blood borne disease something. or yeah. something. Yeah, not good practices back then. No, like no hygiene. 
Yeah, really bad hygiene. We wanted to delve into that later, the whole hygiene story. Yeah, hygiene is a whole topic in it. And it's kind of depressing, actually. We'll we'll sort of scoop that with mental health. There's a bit of tragedy in that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, poor... Like, and this was um, just really bad practices back then when it comes to hygiene. And just, like, in a lot of other things. Um, So... Well, oh, I did forget to mention... Um, so at this point when they didn't have like a lot of anesthesia, they used to use a lot of, um, sort of herbal remedies yeah, and just, you know, they would crush the Opioids. Opium, we should say. Alcohol, I think, was something they used sometimes. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Even when they had herbal remedies or opium or something, they would always mix it with alcohol for some fucking reason. They were like, aha, this one works. (laughs) (laughs) Or to get people to drink it. Be like, yeah, have a drink. Yep. Exactly, maybe. So, um, and alcohol does help a mm. little bit, at least. Yeah, with, with pain reduction. Yeah, so... Um, but and I guess amnesia, had... too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help, because uh, you know how people get blackout drunk, I suppose it I could help know, a bit. Never, I, I You'd have think... to give them a lot, though. Yeah. You'd have to I give them a lot. A I mean, people do get blackout drunk. Yeah, but that's, like, choice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And yet, you do have to drink a lot, especially, yeah. like, certain people. If you have a big, burly man, you'd have to give him a... a lot of alcohol <laughs> before you know <laughs> um i don't know i don't know what language we want to use on this okay um but yeah like uh, a big burly guy would need a lot of alcohol to pass to pass out and to go blackout drunk and have amnesia so it just wouldn't make sense to use yeah. alcohol for that purpose yeah i agree but you know they, they, they opium would be a better choice for that i guess <laughs> not anymore <laughs> <laughs> But they did get desperate to a point, and uh, there was a time where they were using sort of hypnosis mm. as uh, anesthesia, but it wasn't hypnosis. At that time, it was known as mesmerism. Because that makes it better. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, actually, uh, I know what you're thinking, oh. but mesmerism is uh, named after this guy, Franz Mesmer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I've heard the name. The, that's also where the word mesmerize comes from. It's the same guy, Mesmer, and uh, his practices of mesmerism mm. so uh, they just have some theoretical differences <laughs> between the terms mesmerism and hypnotism but i think it's the same basically the same yeah, thing it's the yeah. same thing and um so at that point they were actually resorting to mesmerism mm-hmm. as anesthesia good job good job what i wanted have. to get to is that um robert liston was the first surgeon to use ether as anesthesia in europe nice yeah and uh, the, one of the things that he said when uh, I don't know why I like this so much. <laughs> I don't, there's no reason, but I just really like that um, when he used ether and it worked. The thing he said was, "This Yankee Dodge makes mesmerism hollow," <laughs> <laughs> which I think is like he's insulting a lot of things at once. Yeah. <laughs> so just I don't know. Like he's uh, insulting America. He's mm-hmm. insulting uh, ether. He's insulting mesmerism. So sort of, you know. Saying that in a good way, because mm. it depends. Because it can be, yeah, it can be like, oh, it's it's surprising. Be like, oh, this actually works. Who'd yeah. have thought the Americans would be able to come up with something that actually works? Yeah, it's like sometimes when you say something smart, and I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought you'd be that smart? Yep. <laughs> Wait, me specifically? If I say something smart, or if another person, like are you, insulting I me right now? So, yeah. We were talking about anesthesia and we were talking about um, anatomy mm-hmm. a while ago, I feel like. <laughs> I gotta. Anatomy. <laughs> we gotta bridge this somehow. 
so anatomy and how there wasn't much of it back then yeah um back then there was there was an issue of access to cadavers um and kind of there was separate schools of anatomy so you had you know like a medical school but you also had uh anatomy schools and sometimes they'd be within the medical schools um but there was a definite uh shortage of cadavers to the point where um you would have people robbing graves robbing uh bodies before they were buried um to sell them uh to be used um for dissections and for anatomy classes to people for for people to be able to watch um and the thing is i love the name that they gave to these people who robbed the graves so they called them uh resurrection men (laughs) (laughs) which is um kind of a cool name to give to people who were stealing dead bodies and selling them for profit um um if they look at the empty uh graves and they're like they, yeah, they, <gasps> they were resurrected by the resurrection. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So these resurrection men would steal bodies and sell them. Um, except that's not even the worst thing that happened because of this shortage. Um, the worst story, and this involves uh, the other two people in our uh, in our topic, is the two Williams. So the two Williams, um, they had a lodge. Yeah, they had a lodge. So it was a place for the poor to stay and obviously pay for accommodation. Um, and one day, uh, someone died in the lodge. And so I think it was, um, William Hare had the lodge and William Burke was the friend. Um, and so that's the two Williams. So in William Hare's lodge, um, one of the lodgers died and he went to his friend William Burke uh, for advice of what to do. And Burke suggested uh, that they sell the body to Knox. And that's Robert Knox. That's the other Robert that I'll talk a bit more about uh, later on. But Robert Knox, uh, essentially he was an anatomist. He was dissecting bodies for his classes. And so these two Williams sold this body um, to Knox for at the time what was a lot of money seven pounds ten shillings wasn't it one of his students that told the williams that uh, robert knox would buy the bodies was it yeah it was uh, i read about that i think like even before robert knox was buying it from these guys specifically he was attaining them via shady means you know yeah, he, was. he was getting them in any way that he could um, obviously from such resurrection men yeah. that was already illegal to steal the bodies. So he was already willing to buy them in any way. And so obviously word got around in some way that they, that Knox would buy a body. But you know what I heard, like what I read, mm. <laughs> obviously everyone who could have told me that in person is dead. dead. <laughs> uh, unless they were or very, 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 very old. Unless they were resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> but, Circle. Um, Just sorry. circled back to the yeah, resurrection. Yeah. But you know what I read is that um, apparently the lodger who died owed her a debt. Yeah, some amount of debt. Um, yeah. So, like, they essentially decided to sell the body as a way to make up that debt. I guess that they, they had some sort of motivation that way as well. I yeah, guess. to try and get money out of the dead body. Yeah, and apparently the student, like one of the students of uh, Robert Knox, he told one of the Williams that he would be, uh, they would be well paid 
yeah. for the body. Because and at they that were. time there was a shortage. Yeah, they, they were, were well paid. Um, yeah. But then again, the student didn't actually, because they weren't murdering people at this time. They just had a dead body. Yeah, they just had a dead body that they wanted to give yeah. give up. Um, and the student was probably like, this can help us. Yeah. You know. So just like, they've got a dead body. They need to get rid of it. Yeah. Sell it. Get some money. Whatever. We'll have the body. Um, the... But then they realized they could do more. Yeah, they realized they could make some more money. And uh, it started, the first one started with one of the lodges had a fever. And um, they were scared that the lodger with the fever would scare off other lodgers. So they'd lose money off of it. So what did they decide to do? Uh, uh, they decided to kill him. They decided wow. to kill the lodger and sell the body for more money. And then they kept on doing it. Um, apparently with the help of their wives, although that wasn't really proven. Um, but they kept on killing to the point where they eventually a uh, total of 16 people they killed. Wait, I, I know this is totally irrelevant to mm. bring up at this point, but this is how we roll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like, this is what I mean. People say that, you know, you can get more violent by playing violent video games. But these people watch yeah, public people executions. Have been, yeah. Point, you know, and look at what they're doing. They're just killing off sick people for money. Yeah. Like when you're playing a video game, you know, it's fake. When you're watching a hanging, you know, no, it's, it's real. real. Like, come on. Um... I feel like people are less violent today in those respects. Like you, most people, um, like back then, they got away with killing 16 people. And the only reason they got caught was because one of the other lodgers found their last victim, which is a Margaret Doherty. Um, so barring someone seeing the dead body and seeing them kill mm -hmm. it, they could have gotten away with it so easily. Whereas these days... Um, it's a lot more difficult to do that kind of thing because um, there's so many more cameras. People have mobile phones. They have regulations. You can't just bring a dead body into the anatomy department. Mm. And, and yeah, so it's like disposal it. is more difficult. Um, people attract, attract a lot more, like, you, you know, where people are all the time. Mm -hmm. Whereas back then, if you had a lodger disappear, people didn't know where that person was. They'd be like, oh, I, they were born in this city and that's literally all we know. We have their birth certificate, their place of birth, and after that, we don't have any way to track them. Whereas these days, you know, they'd be like, birth certificate, and then you moved over here and you bought a phone. They know every and... little thing about you because of the development of communications, mm. which we have much to thank for. Yeah. So, like, you know, even these days, if someone goes missing, like, say, like, obviously we're here relatively alone in Poland. So if I were to go missing, it'd still be fairly easy to figure out where I am, even though someone might not have known exactly. Like, I went out and never came back, and you'd be able to use my phone to track me. Yeah. Whereas back then, you know, someone would go out, and you'd have no, no way of knowing. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I think it's a lot more difficult to get away with that kind of stuff these days. Yeah. Um, which is... So, so not the point. Right. Um, so they got uh, discovered, the final, um, their final victim, they were discovered, and they were put on trial. And um, William Baird decided to turn on William Burke and uh, confess to everything and essentially blame it on him. And mm -hmm. so it was only William Burke that got tried for the case. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so William Hare testified uh, for immunity and William Burke was the one that got in trouble. That's and why you don't go into murder with a partner. Yeah. <laughs> it's too high risk of yeah, business. <laughs> that they'll, they'll turn on you, yeah. 
Um, so in the end, William Burke got tried and convicted um, of the murders. And where the karma comes in is that William Burke was sentenced to uh, death and dissection. Uh, so what? he, yeah, <laughs> so he ended up, so yeah, he ended up being punished with the exact same thing that he was killing people for. And his skeleton to this day yeah. is still sitting in the Edinburgh Medical School yeah. um, Anatomical Museum. So uh, his body is still there, still sitting, and you can go see it if you're ever there. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this was not like, a, you know, an accidental thing. This was karma. Because the <laughs> judge was uh, specifically, he said that your sentence shall be put in execution in the usual way, but accompanied with the statutory attendant of the punishment of the crime of murder. That is, um, that your body should be publicly dissected and anatomized. And I trust that if it is ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved. Hmm. In order that posterity may keep in remembrance of your atrocious crimes. Yes. That, that was karma, karma working through... Oh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Karma working through a judge. Just perfect. Okay, so you want to play the song about the Williams then? Yeah, I got the song from Mr. Robin Lank. He's a folk singer um, down up in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's pretty great and it sums it up perfectly. I'll be playing this song as the interval for this episode today. Cork and Hare were a terrible pair Their deeds were beyond belief They worked underground in Edinburgh town The cruelest kind of thief For they stole the life from the city's poor The city's waifs and strays Got them drunk, laid them on a bunk And smothered their lives away Down tanners close in the old west port The rottens had their lair And many poor wretches to their good fetched In a box up to Surgeon Square Ten pounds each was the deal they'd reached for the contents of every box And denied folk life to satisfy the knife for anatomist Dr. Knox Burke and Hare were a terrible pair, the deeds were beyond belief They worked underground in Edinburgh town, the cruelest kind of thief Sixteen souls departed this life at the hands of the villainous crew Sure beats work, said lazy bugger, Burke and Hare took a similar view but their evil ways and the drunken days Nine months were cut short For they grew too smart to the devil a shot And they very soon were caught Burke and Hare were a terrible pair Their deeds were beyond belief They worked on the ground in Edinburgh town The cruelest kind of thief William Hare got a terrible scare Turned super grass with glee Snitched on his mate, left him to his fate, and he got away scot-free. William Burke dangled and jerked as the hangman ended his life. And the final twist, the town anatomist cut him up with his surgeon's knife. Burke and Hare were a terrible pair, their deeds were beyond belief. They worked underground in Edinburgh town, the cruelest kind of thief. For they stole the life from the city's poor, the city's waifs and strays. Got them drunk, laid them on a bunk, and smothered their lives away. The swine smothered their lives away.
come back. Um, so after that song, I guess we'll talk a bit about Robert Knox, who was the receiver of the dead bodies, um, and who was also kind of an ass. Yes, for... he was evil. He was. He was really not a nice guy. Um, so obviously he uh, paid for said dead bodies, and this wasn't like the only time he got them via not so legal means he was really not so worried about where he got his bodies from as long as he got them so there was a lot of um controversy when it came to him and and his obtaining of bodies for his dissection classes um and after the whole william and william fiasco debacle Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it people got very annoyed that he didn't get into any trouble because it was like people knew that he was the one who was buying these murdered bodies, um, and he like basically suffered no consequences whatsoever. Except that people did uh, hate on him for like you know they really didn't like him afterwards. That um, essentially they bullied him. Although even though uh, people didn't like him and he actually ended up being run out of Scotland, mm-hmm. um, he ended up like losing his job there and he moved to England and he worked there for a while but that didn't go very well either so in the end he kind of all his fame he had from his anatomy classes did eventually completely decrease um after the whole uh, William and William thing his anatomy classes actually got very popular um so even though people hated him, they still wanted well, to go see his classes. That's where all the bodies were. <laughs> and so he continued um, with his classes for a while before eventually being fired because um, he still continued to obtain his bodies through less than legal means as well as he also argued with um, with other colleagues and got into fights and stuff like that to the point where... Um, he was up for some sort of, uh, he was, um, he put his name towards, um, a position which, oh, screw me, I should have gotten this before. Um, he put his name towards a position in the, uh, Royal College, um. As a chair yeah, as a chair, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he put his name to uh, as a chair. Um, and the other doctors or the other scientists or whatever you want to call them, the other people in the committee, um, deciding it, deci- uh, deciding who would get the position, were just like, no, we'd prefer to get rid of the position completely than give you the job. <laughs> um, so that's how much he disliked them. And then... Um, yeah, and then it was later figured out that he was falsifying attendance records for students, and so he was no longer allowed to sign attendance records for students, and he essentially was banned from teaching in Scotland altogether. Um, and ended up working in London for a while, but also, like, he just didn't do uh, so well after the, um, the whole two Williams issue. I wonder if he's... Just wanted to be popular with the students. Yeah. Give them fake attendance. Mm. Um, bring Lots them of bodies. extra bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he just wanted to be the cool guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's very possible. Because obviously, like, back then it was just really tough to get any bodies at all so like in and he also wanted to teach his students in such a way that there was lots of bodies for them to use um but the main reason like back then was that pretty much only executed murderers bodies could be used for dissections and that would not happen that often um they eventually you know 
made a whole anatomy act that allowed access to more bodies that you could use other cadavers. Um, but even after that was put in place, he still got them via less than legal means. Um, mm. So, like, he really, like, just wouldn't follow the rules and he kept on trying to get as many bodies as he could. Um, and another part of why he was not a great guy compared to the other Robert, this Robert was really bad because he was one of the pioneers, one of the first people to um, uh, to work on something called scientific racism oh. in Britain. And the name kind of speaks for itself. Um, it was basically using um, the methods of science to justify white supremacy. Um, so, yeah, he was one of the people who were just like, yeah, people are designed to be where they are. So we're designed, you know, the white man is designed perfectly and we're perfect where we are. And, you know, so he used biology um, to justify racism. And one of the thing is he was just so close to actually hitting on something good because he said, like, one of the things um, that he was saying was that people were designed perfectly for their environment, which is like, you're almost hitting on it that every person is perfect for where they are. But then he kind of made a straight left turn into racism and was just like, and that means that black people should not be in Europe because they're perfectly made for Africa or something. I'm just, yeah. So he just, he was one of the people who was actually using science and biology to justify some very, very bad stuff. I think we, I'm right to assume that he didn't find anything, right? I mean... I mean, we're different, and there's good enough reason biologically and scientifically to say that we're different in some I mean, ways. like, the the whole thing, it was called a pseudoscience. So I guess, like, with any other pseudoscience, they yeah. found evidence, you know, in quotation marks. They created... You know, they created perfect. evidence to justify their viewpoints, yeah. um, to justify... Which is something that a lot of scientists did back then yeah we should do an episode on this as well there's um, tons of scientists who falsified data or sort of found evidence vaccines where there was autism. that's kind of one yeah. of the big ones if we're going more modern day when you're looking for something and it's you sort easy of, to find yeah. yeah you manipulate the data to fit then, your conclusion exactly yeah and that's not how you're supposed to be doing research mm. Yeah, you form a hypothesis, you test it, and then whatever results you get, you follow those results. You don't pick and choose the ones you want um, to justify what your hypothesis is. If your hypothesis is wrong, you change your hypothesis. But that's not really what happened back then. And that's still yeah. not... Like, that happens really often today as well. Yeah. Big companies that pay for studies. Say, like, if you had Coke who was doing... Or, like, no, big one would be tobacco companies doing tests mm -hmm. with cigarettes. And being like, they're not bad As for you. Bad yeah, for you. They're not bad for you, but they've paid the people to do the re research and they've mm -hmm. essentially paid the people to come to their conclusion because yeah. they're the ones paying for it. They, you know, they're not paying for people to tell, uh, like, you know, the public that tobacco is bad and can kill you because that ruins them. So it's, you yeah, know. So an episode on this. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Robert Knox, just really bad guy. And the thing that kind of we found interesting was that you had these two rather big, rather famous stories that we thought of completely separately. Because yeah. I remember uh, thinking about, oh, we got to talk about 
this Burke and Hare murders yeah. that they were selling bodies. And then as I was researching it, um, I found out the name of Robert Knox. And it turns out just before I found out the name of Robert Knox, we had been talking about Robert Robert Liston, who had... uh, Punched. Yeah. (laughs) Who had come into contact with Robert Knox. The same Robert Knox. Yeah. So apparently, um, William Burke and Hare, Mm -hmm. Burke specifically, um, uh, at one point, this lady Mary Patterson, mm. Mary Patterson, Patterson, Patterson. I don't know really. It's Patterson. Who knows? Yeah. So Mary Patterson um, went to William Burke's house with a friend of hers, mm-hmm. and um, there they had tea and then eventually alcohol. I don't see how those two mix, but they did. It's called an Irish tea. No, it's an Irish <laughs> coffee. Irish coffee. <laughs> Irish tea. Yeah. So anyway, um, they no, it's a Long up... Island iced tea. <laughs> if you mix everything together, I mean tea and alcohol, Long yeah. Island iced tea. I suppose. I don't know if that existed back then. We should research it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, they ended up having a few bottles of whiskeys, uh, bottles of whiskey. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and as it turns out, Mary Patterson, she sort of passed out. And Janet Brown was just like there in the room, and Mary Patterson's passed out, and William Burke is fighting with his wife um, because she's the jealous type, and mm-hmm. he's brought two women over. Yeah, fair <laughs> so, enough. Yeah, and they're fighting, and Mary Patterson's passed out, and this lady, her name is Janet Brown, her friend. Yep. She's just like, ah, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and she sort of uh, scoots. Is that the word? Skirts? Skits? Skittles? Skedaddles. I don't know what word you're trying to use. <laughs> she skedaddles word. out of there. She skedaddles out of there. And uh, skirts? 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 What word are you trying to use? Thinking, what are you trying to say? I'm thinking of a word, but I can't, uh, I can't pin my... Like skirt would be like she'd go around the edge of a room and sneak <laughs> out. Maybe that's what she did. I don't know. I don't she know. did one of those things. She skedaddled. She skedaddled. Yeah, and she left and... Um, skedaddled right up, right up on out of there. Which I think was just like a fairly bad decision because... I mean, she's probably too weak to carry her friend home. Yeah. This anyway, is before taxis and Ubers, remember? And she was drunk too. Let's not, remember, yeah, let's that's... not forget that. So, and also apparently, um, she... Uh, I don't know about John Brown, but um, Mary Patterson, she was apparently... And like I said, we don't really know much about these stories. But apparently she was from a reform school. Where mm-hmm. basically, you know, they put Bad those, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Rebellious sorts over there, which will explain why she's passed out in William Burke's house. Mm-hmm. There was some word that she was a prostitute, but... I mean, and she so was Mary Magdalene, if you believe it. She was a legal prostitute. Yeah. But she, she was part of the reform school, that's mm-hmm. what we know. And, uh, but anyway, so apparently William Burke knew her somehow that was in, in that line. Mm. <laughs> Of, uh, anyway, so, uh, she left her friend there and Mary Patterson was murdered and, uh, sold to Robert Knox by William Burke. Great guy. Yeah. Absolutely great guy. Wonderful. <laughs> and, and listen to this one. Uh, Robert Knox, he gets the body and, uh, he sort of asks, uh, one of his students to chop the hair off, uh, sort of cut the hair short, at mm-hmm. least. And then he apparently was so amazed by the body by the beauty of Mary Patterson. Creepy. 
Yeah, that he kept her preserved with alcohol for three whole months before dissecting her. And that's that's where this happened. God damn, that's creepy. Yeah, and apparently... So what happened is that this body was kept in the anatomy room, right? Mm-hmm. And Robin Liston just happened to pass by. Yeah. And he sort of looked into the room and he saw Mary Patterson's body and he felt like, okay, something's wrong here. There's some sort of foul play. And he sort of... He was under the assumption that some of the students had uh, had sex with her while she was still alive. Uh, I don't know. This is yeah. what he thought. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, and he was like, "It's sort of immoral that you are dissecting this body right now, especially like there's something there." He felt like he, in his gut that there was something wrong there. Mm-hmm. First of all, there was because she was murdered. Um, yeah. Second of all, she was sold. Uh, third of all, she was preserved for three months with alcohol, uh, just for her body, which to me sounds wrong as well. Yeah. Right. And um, reeks so, of necrophilia. Yeah, yeah, it does. So anyway, um, Robert Liston knocked knocks out <laughs> uh, for that. Which gotta I, say, Knox deserved it, not just for that, but for so much other stuff. Yeah, and I would say this is a big one up for Robert Liston. Like all the surgeries that he's messed up, I would tell him, you made up for it, but just with that one punch. With that one punch. Yeah. Yes. Solid, um, solid job Robert by the. Robert got some of his karma as well. There. Robert punched Robert. Yeah. For something the Williams did. Um, I think Robert Knox was just as guilty. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm gonna go with he probably like, despite him not being convicted of anything. I'm gonna go with he knew that those bodies were like murdered. Yeah. Like he he already knew. Even that... though he didn't ask questions, I'm pretty yeah, well, sure. Well, yeah, he didn't ask. It was like um yeah. plausible deniability. You know, he yeah. knew, but he didn't know. Exactly. I mean, if he was a good anatomist, he would have been able to see, like, figure out how they died. Yeah. Like, he'd be able to tell. Yeah, I mean, not a good guy, and very racist. So that was that for today. Hmm. That was. We talked about some uncomfortable stories. Mm-hmm. And some good karma. Yes. Karmic retribution. Yep. And uh, stay tuned for the next podcast where we figure out how much a leg weighs. How much a leg weighs. Maybe even some testicles. Yep. (laughs) We'll do the math. Alright, so stay healthy, stay vaccinated, and don't get a haircut from your surgeon. So if you've listened to us to the end, you probably like us. So thank you. Share and subscribe and help us advertise because we're... Introverted med students. So we need all the help we can get with that. Yeah, we can't do it ourselves. We have an Instagram though. It's called medic.ish. That's medic.ish. You can reach us there. Please follow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't shock.